For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to the Jeff Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, how are you doing today on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon? I'm doing okay. I wish I could say it's a beautiful Wednesday, because right now there's just snow as far as the eye can see outside of uh, my apartment. And actually, it's not even really snow. It's like that couple days after it snows where it's all like black and mushy, and it's not, not really a fun place to be right now. So I wish I could say it was a nice weather Wednesday, but... It's always nice to talk to you guys here on the Jet Press Podcast because we got a full offseason plan ready to go for you, including more free agency rumors. We might get some draft stuff later today. Uh, apologies for the truncated show yesterday. Now we're going to have the full the, the full show available today. We're always going to start with, uh, with some possible cap casualties. But before any of that, I have a message from our friends at DraftKings because DraftKings is offering a fantastic sign-up bonus ahead of the postseason. Place a $5 first bet on anything to instantly claim $150 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is that you'll receive both rewards even if your first bet loses. So when you join DraftKings, make sure to use the code FSBETS. That is F-S-B-E-T-S. Using the code not only grants you those bonuses, but also directly supports our show. Thank you if you choose to support us that way. Make sure to use FSBETS on DraftKings to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to customers who are new, 21 and older, and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And as always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We are on all those sites, YouTube at the Jet Press. Likes on the stream really help. Good reviews on Apple Podcasts, they really help. That all helps grow the show. Our shorts are all there. We've seen you guys have had a lot of fun with some of those guests, the Jets, and a bunch of other things. we got a ton of really cool ones coming down the pike. So let's just jump into the moving and shaking that's going to happen in the offseason, specifically with some of the cap casualties that are going to happen because the Jets right now have a couple interesting players that I feel like their time's kind of running out, but also some kind of iffy question marks to where they might be cut because the Jets can finally get some cap space to get a real left tackle, to get a real number two wide receiver, to improve depth at a couple of different places. Like There are some no-doubt ones. Like Carl Lawson is as sure a bet to not return as you could possibly get. Like I have as much a chance of playing for the Jets next year as Carl Lawson does. It's just it's not going to happen. But there are some questionable ones, and I think number one at the top of the questionable list that I want to get to, and I want to get your opinion on this, Justin, is C.J. Mosley. 
I feel like, because Mosley could save the Jets the most just raw money in terms of dollars if they were to cut him. With Quincy Williams becoming an all-pro linebacker, first-team all-pro linebacker at that, that really could maybe give the Jets some, some safety where you're like, okay, we got a standout linebacker, so the core is not just going to be completely torn apart. We're still going to have a strong unit because with the way defenses are too, like the, the NFL meta game right now is two high safeties and everything like that. That only works if you have amazing linebackers. And look at the teams that are still left. San Francisco, Fred Warner, Baltimore, Roquan Smith, Jack Campbell in Detroit, even Kansas City with Nick Bolton. Like that, You need linebackers now more than ever. So Quincy Williams could probably help them mitigate that loss. But at the same time, like we said earlier, linebackers are very important. And C.J. Mosley, for all his faults, was pretty good last year. I don't know if he's as good as maybe his name and reputation will say he is, but I feel like it's hard to say that he's anything less than a high-end starting linebacker in this league. And I know the Jets need to invest some money in offense, but it would be foolish, in my opinion, in what's going to be a championship or bust season with Aaron Rodgers coming back to get rid of a guy who's a veteran leader and still very good like that. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that last point. I, I don't think there's any scenario in which the Jets will consider legitimately moving on from C.J. Mosley this offseason. I think the most likely option with him is a restructure. Uh, now, before the show, I went into over-the-caps restructure projections, and I kind of wanted to get a good idea for what the restructure potential is with the Jets this offseason because, like you said, Mike, they're going to try and compete. They, they need to compete this year. Like They're going to do everything they can to contend over the next year or two, and because of that, they're probably going to be more likely to restructure players as opposed to cut them. So with C.J. Mosley, if they were to restructure restructure C.J. Mosley's contract, they would save over $10 million. They'd save a little bit over that, a little bit more than that if they were to just straight up cut him. Obviously, restructuring pushes dead money into the future. But as we saw this past offseason, Joe Douglas is perfectly willing to do that if it means contending in the future and ultimately trying to save his job. I think that C.J. Mosley is coming off the best season that he's had with the Jets. I genuinely think he was really, really good this past year. I believe he finished as PFF's number one coverage linebacker, which, you know, take PFF grades with a grain of salt. But I just, I still think that he had a very, very good season. And considering that he was second team all pro in 2022, saying that he was better in 2023, that's, that's a bold claim. Uh, but I do think that he was very, very good, and it would be foolish to move on from him. He is the leader of this defense. He's playing at a high level. I know he's going to be, I think, 32 uh, next year by the time the season starts. So you always have to worry about age and, and declining production, but I haven't seen it. Especially at that position too. Of course, especially at that position. But I haven't seen anything that shows me that he's going to be – I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be as good as he was this year and next year, but I still think, like you said, he's going to be at, at worst a high-end starting linebacker in the NFL. He's a defensive leader, a defensive captain. You don't move on from guys like that. I imagine they will most likely just restructure him, save a lot of money because right now – the Jets are projected, I believe their current cap space is roughly around like 350000 Like it's like under a million. They don't have much cap space. But the restructure potential can get them up to over $60 million. Uh, On a high end, I think it's over like $70 million. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're restructuring everybody. This isn't the Saints or the Chargers where they have to do that. But they're going to restructure a lot of guys. I think Mosley makes the most sense as a restructure candidate. I'm also looking at the – at guys, one name that keeps coming up a lot, or actually two, I want to get into on both sides of the ball because I really think they're honestly 50 50 in terms of if they're going to. This isn't a restructure thing, this is 50 50 keep them or get rid of them. I think it's at that point yet. Uh, I'll give Justin the choice you want the offense or a defensive guy first? What should we do? 
I think I know the two players you're going, but let's <laughs> let's go offense first. Let's go offense. Blake and Tomlinson. Yep, I figured. <laughs> because Blake and Tomlinson was not particularly good last year. I think he this was his worst year with the Jets. I think that the Pro Bowl year in San Francisco may have just been a product of Kyle Shanahan and the offense around him kind of making him look a little better than he may have been because I don't think he was ever really a pro bowler before that year. But again, he can't, he was good that year. No one's going to doubt that he was sure. a good starting, serviceable starting lineman for most of his tenure with the Niners. Then he comes to the Jets, and, and the fun has just stopped coming. It has just been not a great watch. I believe he led the league in terms of sacks allowed by guards last year. And Lakin's a tough one because, as we said before, like when we were diving into what exactly is wrong with the offensive line, you know, before everybody got hurt and they were playing, literally pulling guys off the street and other guys' practice squads to play in the offensive line. Before that happened, we're like, what the hell's going on here? And we did come to the conclusion that it's hard to have one amazing lineman and like four awful ones because so much of it's so interconnected and so much bad play can bleed over and hurt everybody else. So, Lake and Tomlinson, I definitely think got caught up in that because, like, it, with that team, with Zach Wilson holding the ball like it is, with the no threats outside of Garrett Wilson in the passing game, like, it's hard to be a really good offensive lineman, I think, there, especially when they had to neuter the offense and simplify it for Wilson instead of what it could have been with, with Rodgers. So all of that works in his favor. And, again, what else works in his favor, too, is he doesn't get hurt. Yep. Which that's a legitimate, I mean, best ability is availability. That's a legitimate asset. That's something that he can say, look, I don't get hurt. Everybody else gets hurt. You got to pay me for that. Otherwise, you're going to have another backup in at left guard. So Lakin's a tough one because performance reasons combined with his money, it seems like an easy cut. But with the dearth of, I think, options available that are relatively cost effective and would be much better, I feel like Lakin is probably going to stay. Good word, Dirth. That was, makes me think of uh, what was it? Former Jets long snapper James Dirth. I was just his birthday just passed. It's weird that I know that, but ignore that. Uh, anyway, but yeah, what a random stat. <laughs> because I like on the as a little insider on the Jets Jet Press Facebook page, I put like happy birthdays to certain players, and James Dirth was one of the players. Like I look at Pro Football Reference a lot, and he was one of the players where I was like, is he relevant enough to put on the Facebook? Yeah, why not? Uh, anyway, that's does a side. James Durth's wife remember his birthday? I think you might be the only one who does. <laughs> that's mean. James Durth was a long tenure, long snapper, and I think he caught a couple passes. Jets career. Anyway, the future is a hefty responsibility, and not one that we take lightly. But then, taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
marketing, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Back to Lake and Tomlinson, though. I think it's a similar situation to Mosley, where the Jets are going to view him and say, yes, his contract is a lot. Yes, I mean, this is different than Mosley, but yes, his production doesn't match what we're paying him. But like you said, Mike, he stays healthy. And on a Jets offensive line that has been absolutely ravaged by injuries the last two seasons. Like, I don't know if you could find a, sh- a two-year stretch by any team in the NFL that has had this this string, this this ridiculous uh, degree of offensive line injury luck over the last two years of the Jets. It, it has been brutal. They started 13 different offensive line combinations in 17 games this year. That's ridiculous. Uh, but Lake Tomlinson start more than one or two the whole year. The Jets. Right, have- I'm pretty sure the Bills had the started the entire same the entire like same starting five the entire year. I think the Atlanta Falcons might have done that too. It is ridiculous that the Jets had that many injuries. And the one constant, the one guy who started every single game was Lakin Tomlinson. And yes, his production hasn't matched his his contract. I believe he led the league in pressures allowed, at least amongst all guards. I think he was second in sacks, something like that. Uh, it, it's It hasn't been good. But I think the Jets view him as a leader. I think they value that about him. They value his durability. And they're also going to look at it and say, can we? do we think that the money we'll save by releasing him, which would be around $8 million, do we think we're going to get somebody that is more valuable to the team than what Lake and Tomlinson is providing us for $8 million? And I'm not sure the answer to that from their perspective is going to be yes, because I think the Jets value Lake and Tomlinson more than, I mean, in fact, I will definitely say the Jets value Lake and Tomlinson more than most fans do uh, because of that leadership, because of the durability. Those are both things that they value a lot. So I think ultimately they're going to decide to keep him. Uh, I did run the restructure numbers on him. They save basically the same amount of money by restructuring him as releasing him. So if they want to just go full in, you know, full on, let's try and contend in 2024, screw the future. We don't care about those future dead cap hits, which they did that last year. And that's why a guy like Carl Lawson is on the cap for like six and a half million in 2024, even though, like you said, Mike, he's not going to be on the team. Uh, So they could do that. They could save like $8 million by restructuring him. I think that's probably what they're going to end up doing. Now, if it was up to me, I would move Elijah Vera Tucker to right tackle long-term and then, or at least for now, and bring in a free agent guard like a Robert Hunt or whoever might be available because I think it's a lot easier to find a guard in free agency than it is to find a tackle. Uh, and if they were to cut Lakin Tomlinson, I think that would be the reason why because whoever they 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 think is available in free agency, they, they think they can get that player and they think that, like, like I said, their player would be an upgrade over Lakin Tomlinson. Uh, ultimately, though, I do think that they end up keeping him just like I think they end up keeping C.J. Mosley. Both are very strong restructure candidates for sure. And then looking on the defensive side, I feel like let's see if you can get this and go two for two. Uh, is it? Is it? It's probably John Franklin Myers, right? It is John Franklin Myers. It was either him or D.J. Reed because I think they're both in a similar who, like. Who was thinking about cutting D.J. Reed? Oh no, not cut D.J. Reed, but restructure or extend. Like they got to get oh, get oh, his. Okay. Oof, oof. 
They can be his captain. DJ Reed's going to be on the team in 2024. Don't worry. What psychopath even entertains that as an option? <laughs> yeah, no, they can get his cap number down, but JFM for sure. I, I think it's similar where I don't, I don't think they cut it. But what, what do you think, Mike? What do you think is going to happen? See, the thing with JFN is um, this is going to be a weird comparison, but he reminds me, even though this guy's a defensive end and the other guy's a linebacker, of like almost like Kyle Van Noy with the Patriots. Oh, sure, yeah. In that his skill set is so like weird and unique yeah. where yeah. because he's in a defense that is very specifically like geared, not around him, but they use him prominently, that I think he has much more value to like the Jets than he would with any other team. Because like he's not a huge sack guy, and I don't think he'll ever be a huge sack guy. And I also don't think the Jets are ever going to really tell him to add 15 pounds and be kind of a full-time interior lineman or no. defensive tackle. I don't think they'll do that. So what you get is this weird mishmash of both where he's like a 285-pound 4-3 defensive end. And honestly, that's kind of a dying breed. Like the 4-3 defensive end who lines up as wide as he does that's that big. That isn't like, you know, just a freak of nature who gets like 15 sacks or like Julius Peppers or something like that. Like, But he has value. They use him a lot. He's versatile. They move him around. Good run defender. Not very expensive. The tough part with Franklin Myers and why I think he could be a cap casualty, I think there's at least a world where it happens, is because, as we mentioned before, they just got too many cooks in the kitchen at defensive end because they have their three standouts in Bryce Huff, Jermaine Johnson, and Will McDonald. And it seems very unlikely that they're going to keep all three of these guys together long-term. It seems like they could probably keep two. And I think it's probably going to be Johnson and McDonald because of their draft status and pedigree. But, you know, if, if there's a world where they want to keep all three, you'd probably have to do something with John Franklin Myers. But I just can't see them getting to that because of all, what he brings in this weird skill set. Like, it just it kind of works. He's never going to get 12 sacks a year. I don't think he's ever going to be even like a Shaquille Barrett where he just goes to a new team and pops off, but like he just, he just fits in this defense. And that's really important for Robert Sala. Cause I mean, think about how many backup defensive ends get churned in and out on every team, good teams, bad teams. Like it happens. And amid all of that, he said, no, we got something with John Franklin Myers and he kept working with him. And now he's an integral part of this defense. I don't know if he give up on that number one. And I think it's very hard to find a replacement for that number two. I've long attested that John Franklin Myers is one of the most underrated players in the Jets roster. I feel like everybody takes him for granted, and they're just like, yep, he's a solid player. He's fine. I think he's really good at what he does. In the role that he plays, I think he's exceptional. And last year, John Franklin Myers had 50 pressures. That is six fewer than Jermaine Johnson uh, and 21 more than Quentin Jefferson, who had like double the sacks that John Franklin Myers did. John Franklin Myers three and a half last year. Uh, yeah. And Quentin Jefferson, I think, had six. PFF gives him eight because they don't count half sacks as like they count each half sack as a full. But I think JFM was sneakily really, really good last year, and he's an integral part of that defense. I think it'd be very silly if they if they moved on from him. I think it'd be very foolish, and I don't think they will. The only reason that they would ever consider moving on from him is if they think there's somebody on the roster that could fill that role, and the only player that could do that is Michael Clemens. I don't think Michael Clemens is ready to take that step. I have not. Maybe seen Solomon that. Thomas, kind of, but he's not as good. But like, it's not. stylistically, also, it's what you want, right? He's also a free agent, so they'd have to bring him back too. Yeah. I, I think Clemens would be the guy. Clemens is the guy that they basically drafted to fill that JFM role, to be his backup and maybe develop into a future starter. I haven't seen anything from Clemens that says that he's ready to take that step. And I think the downgrade from JFM to Clemens would be very significant. 
I don't think that they move on from John Franco Myers. I think that his saving grace that he's just very different than the Bryce Huffs, the Will McDonald's, or Jermaine Johnson. He plays a completely different role. Like they may all be defensive ends. On, I think Jermaine Johnson's listed as a linebacker. They may all be defensive ends on paper, but John Franco Myers plays a very different position than the other guys. He plays a lot of his snaps in the interior. He is a tweener, like you said, like a, a Kyle Van Noy in a different way because they're both tweeners, but just different positions essentially. Uh, but because but like that, even for tweeners, like I we've seen tweeners like at four three end or three four linebacker, like even among them, JF kind of listed at like two eighty eight. Yeah, and, well, he, top, and, and he plays pretty wide for two eighty eight. He does well. That's why he's a perfect fit as it like in a Robert Solid defense because he wants those smaller defensive linemen. He doesn't care about getting those three hundred thirty pound D tackles on the inside. He'll play John Franco Myers on the inside, and it works. It's fine because they just want athleticism. They want they want speed on that defensive line. They don't need size, and I think JFM fits that mold well. I think he's. I, I think other than Mosley, he's probably the most likely candidate to be restructured, even more so than Tomlinson. Uh, restructuring him, where's the number I got here? Restructuring him saves over $9 million. Uh, and I imagine they're going to do that because his cap hit next year is $16.3 million, which is the fifth highest on the roster. I don't think they're going to do that. And, of course, if they were to restructure Mosley or Tomlinson, that could go even higher. So I don't think they're going to leave him at that cap hit. I'm, I'm fairly certain that they restructure him. I think there's a world where they cut him if they really need the money, but – I just I don't think it would be smart because they're trying to compete next year. I don't think they have a ready-made replacement on the roster unless they are extremely confident that Michael Clemens can take that leap. And I just I don't think he's going to do it. I'm looking at the free agents. You know who's a tweener? Who's a free agent this year? Dean Lowry. I don't know. Is that who you're talking about? He might be. I don't know. That's but... like that, that was a random shot in the dark because I think he might be also Packers connection, and he is kind of a tweener. Uh, I don't see him on here, okay. uh, but I do see <laughs> Leonard Williams. <laughs> I mean, look, Leonard Williams in a solid defense would actually go hard. Like that would be great. I would love him in a Robert solid defense. And then we got uh, we got Danico Autry, who is kind of, honestly very similar, but yeah, he, he's like a Quentin Jefferson type. Yeah. And then Autry. and then Calais Campbell, who's sixty five years old, but is still making plays. So. They wanted him last year. They were they were in, interested in Calais Campbell last year. He might have the deepest voice on any human being I've ever heard. It's it is awesome. I it's, love. It's I've I've interviewed Clayus Campbell before and I was frightened. Like I was, I was terrible. Just like speaking to him, I'm like, oh my God, you are 50 times the man I am. And like just by your voice. Top top three deepest voices from guys I've seen in the NFL. Number one, Calais Campbell. Number two, Michael Clemens. Yeah. And number three, do you remember Lamar Miller with the Dolphins? Oh yeah. Did he have a really deep voice? Oh, oh yeah. It was like an opera baritone deep. It was you would expect that from Clemens and Campbell. You wouldn't expect that from Miller. I mean, Lamar Miller's neck was like bigger than my leg, so maybe I don't know. But <laughs> and you have like Jair Alexander on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> or like Jalen Ramsey. Or Jalen Ramsey, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think I mean it, maybe if they really want to save money, they can they can cut Franklin Myers and target a guy like a Calais Campbell, but you need to really make sure that you can get somebody to replace him because and Campbell a- might honestly be more expensive, like on a one year ring chasing deal. Like you maybe, might ask for a lot. Maybe because he was still good last year. Like it's, they need to really like, they cannot move on from JFM unless they have somebody that they're confident can fill his role because it's a very important role. It's a role that a lot of people I think overlook with this defense. I think he's a really important part of that defense. And I, I don't think they move on. I would be very so, surprised. Well, McDonald played a little three tech in college. At 235 pounds. Literally, if they do that, they drafted him and said, we're going to get you in that wide nine, only to put him in the three tech again. Like, <laughs> that'd be so sad. strikes again. But uh, let, let's go on to, unless you got any other cap casualties that really stand out in your mind. 
I have a few other like ways I think they're going to save money. No one else like that. I, well, there's oh, there's one. There's one that I can't believe we didn't mention this. There's one obvious one. I think there's going to be one player that the Jets absolutely cut this offseason and don't think twice about. And it's CJ Uzama. I'm surprised. I forgot. Oh, I, I didn't even entertain that because I thought it was like a foregone <laughs> conclusion. Like, oh, when they cut CJ Uzama, then they yeah. can do these other things. CJ Uzama is going to be released. Uh, it's unfortunate. I know I forget who did the interview, but somebody just re- released like some quotes from him where he was talking about the injury. It sounds worse than people thought. Like the, the injury, oh, no. uh, which is really unfortunate for a guy who, who seems like an, a, a great dude all around. Um, so I wish the best for CJ Uzama, but there's no, there's no chance he's on the Jets roster next year. Cutting him saves five point three million. Unfortunately, they restructured his contract last offseason, so they take on almost six million in dead cap. If they do so, that they're going to do so. He's not going to be on the roster next year. So Uzama will not be back. Uh, Dan and Chad asked about Lakin. We did talk about Lakin, Lakin already. To sum it up, I don't think he's going to get a cut, but it's possible. If you want to hear more, rewind a little. Uh, and then a couple of other names that I'll throw out there that aren't. I don't think these guys are going to get cut but it's ways to save the Jets money. Uh, one, the most obvious, Zach Wilson is almost definitely going to be traded. Uh, trading Zach Wilson saves, according to over the cap, around $5.45 million. So that's another way that their Jets are likely going to save money. They're not going to cut him, but they will They will likely trade him. If they cut him, I don't think – they'd have to like post-June 1st cut him if they cut him. He's going to get traded. Um, Brian in chat mentions they're going to cut poor Nick Baldwin because of evil Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. I don't. He's on a futures deal too, so I don't even know if that would save anything. <laughs> uh, and he's on a futures deal because they cut him. So blame blame Rogers for that. A um, couple of other restructure candidates. I mentioned DJ Reed. I think they should just extend DJ Reed. That's where I'm at with that. I th- you could restructure him. I think they'd save around seven million by doing so. But you could just extend him as well because he's entering the final year of his deal. I feel very – how old is DJ Reed? What, 27? Like, he's not old. That sounds about right. He might even be young. He might be. He's 27. He is 27. I, that is a guy that I yeah, give I a – feel a lot accomplished now looking at yeah, that. Right. Yeah. That is somebody I give a three-, four-year contract to. Don't think twice. Just extend him. You lower his 2024 cap by doing so. He's earned the he's earned the pay raise. And I think you will be able to get him for cheaper than you should because he doesn't have the Pro Bowls. He doesn't have the All-Pros because he's overshadowed by Sauce Gardner. I know we scream here that DJ, DJ Reed is overrated, but I think that's actually going to help the Jets when it comes to extension, conversation, extension conversations. Um, and then one other name that I think makes sense is either a restructure or an extension, Tyler Conklin. That's another guy I wouldn't be opposed if they extended him. I like Tyler Conklin. I know we were discussing him a few weeks back where he ranks in the totem pole amongst NFL tight ends. I think he's borderline top 10. I legitimately think he's borderline top 10. I know that the numbers might not back that up because he dealt with Zach Wilson and and, and Chris Streveler and Mike White and Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon, but I, I think he's a good player. I think he's a very, very good tight end. I don't think he's ever going to be a top level uh, tight end. I don't think he's he's got that in him, but I think he's an exceptional like uh, possession tight end, if you want to call him that. Really good route runner, really, really reliable hands. He's a good player, so I would extend him. But either way, if they restructure him, they save three point nine. If they extend him, they save around four point one. So they can they have some wiggle room there. They can save some money with extending or restructuring Conklin. There's ways the Jets are going to get out of this. Like, not they're not in cap hell, but they're in like they have they have a little over like a little under a million in cap space. They're going to get that number up with these restructures and potentially extensions. You know what Trevor just suggested to apparently help the Jets. See this. Let's run Aaron it through the Rodgers. I, I didn't run this through. So if they were to read, okay, 
if they were to restructure Aaron Rodgers' contract, they would save a whopping $1.5 million this year. I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> I don't think I that's what the dead cap would be. Uh, well, there's no dead cap for restructuring, but if they were to cut him, if they the were to cut cap, him. I wonder what just for, uh, for fun. Pre June 1st is 49 million. Post June 1st is actually zero. They can cut him and take on zero or I should. Okay. Let me wait. Yeah. Zero. No, I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm saying this wrong. <laughs> it's either 49 million or zero. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I misread this. 66 million in dead cap. If they cut him pre June 1st cap savings of negative 49 million. So they lose 49 million. If they were to cut him, they wouldn't save anything, but if they were to cut him post June 1st, the dead cap in 2024 is only 17 million and they actually don't lose money. They save $0 in, in cap space. Oh, what a deal. It's feasible. <laughs> Obviously they're not going to do that. And I don't think they're going to restructure him anyway. Uh, but yeah, I think those are the most likely candidates. Uzama is the only one where I'm like, He's definitely gone. I not even a, a chance he's returning. I don't think there's a chance at all. Uh, I the other guys, I genuinely, if I were to predict right now, I think Uzama's their only cut. Maybe we'll see a surprise. Maybe it'll be John, like if we're going to see any surprise, I'll say John Franklin Myers. I think that would be the biggest surprise. I think Lakin Tomlins is more likely to be back than John Franklin Myers. Do I believe that? Yeah, I think I believe that. I think both will be back, but I think there's a better shot they cut JFM. But I think they're both back. Mm. By the way, before we move on, Dolphins just fired Vic Fangio, and he's going to go to the Eagles. So. Wow. What's hilarious is Dolphins fans were so excited about that hire. Like They were like, you thought Xavier Howard sucked. Wait till you see him in Vic Fangio. And it's like, all right, he was marginally better this year. Like, he was it was all right. He was okay. He was better. But I just don't think they have a ton of players outside of Ramsey on that defense. But And Jalen Phillips who blew his leg up. Yeah, but. well, and Chubb was awesome this year. Bradley Chubb, I was down on Bradley Chubb, but Chubb was awesome this year. Uh, their linebackers are bad though, and Javon Holland is good. They have they had a lot of injuries too. And well, how that how that looking Arrowhead is what I have to say to that. So we're seven and ten. I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> let's get back to Sauce Gardner, who is we've earned a lot of subtle recruiting for the Jets. You know, Aaron Rodgers might like this guy, might not like this guy. Sauce Gardner now openly on Twitter advocating for Mike Evans and Calvin Ridley to come to the Jets and form a super group of wide receivers. Now, I remember when we thought the we called the receiver or the Avengers a while back, and then they traded Elijah Moore and ruined, ruined that immediately. But he wants to do part two. Maybe this is the X-Men. He wants to do that with Evans and Ridley. And I could not have two more differing opinions on these two players right now. Mike Evans, for number one, I don't think Mike Evans is going to leave. I think he's going to stay in Tampa Bay. I think if they bottomed out, I think then that might have actually maybe prompted some sort of I think this is the end for me if they went like four and thirteen and got another quarterback, but they won a playoff game and they looked pretty impressive against the Lions. That was not that was a, a real team. And Baker Mayfield's a real quarterback. I think you might think, you know what? We we were in a weak division. We could probably go to the playoffs pretty frequently. I could just be a Larry Fitzgerald guy who played his whole career in Tampa. I know that I'm going to the Hall of Fame already. I got my rings. I don't think he's leaving. But if he did leave. I mean, you couldn't find a better number two. What the Jets thought Alan Lazar was going to be, imagine that, but on HGH times five. <laughs> because Mike Evans has done it before. He did it Hopefully last year. Literally. Hopefully not literally. On Hopefully HGH. not literally, but <laughs> hypothetical HGH. <laughs> because Mike Evans has done it before. He's still really good. He's vertical. He's actually better with the ball in his hands, as he's shown this year, than a guy that age and that size should be. You want to talk about a home run signing? That would be a home run signing. I don't think it'll happen because I think he loves Tampa, but I really like that. 
Ridley is more interesting to me. Uh, it and actually the funny part though still is because of the conditions tied to his pick, the Jaguars still don't know what pick they're giving up. Because I think it was like a sixth and a fifth, and then basically if he accomplished a couple things, it could go up to you know four to third and a second. And I think it would be a second if they signed him to a long-term contract. Yep. Yep. Now the reason that there's some pause for thought over there in Jacksonville is because I think they paid him to be or paid acquired him rather to be a number one wide receiver for Trevor Lawrence. And he's not a number one wide receiver anymore. He's still good. He's still a solid number two, but they had him as a number one, especially when Christian Kirk got hurt, and then he really had to kind of do everything on his own, and you just saw he wasn't really up for it. Isn't it crazy that Ridley's 29? Isn't that crazy? I feel Well, because he came in, so he was like 24 as a rookie. Yeah, but it, like 29 is ridiculous. Like, that's crazy. That he's 20. <laughs> and DJ Reed's 27. Like, that's crazy. Anyway. But uh, getting back to the 29-year-old Ridley, like, yeah. I, he he's a receiver that you have to use in a very specific way to be effective. And I think he was at his best as a number two in Atlanta behind Julio Jones. Jacksonville tried to make him a one, and I don't think he could handle it. And I honestly think because of how the year ended for them, I think Jacksonville might have some ambivalence by giving him a long-term deal. I think they might draft another wide receiver and go with Christian Kirk, Evan Engram, and – receiver to be named later maybe save that second round pick that makes him i think a more viable target than evans the problem though is honestly if, if i were to tell you coming out of the draft that i had a, a calvin ridley comp for garrett wilson would that be outrageous no i wouldn't say so i think they're both i think they're both really good route runners uh and and can do a lot after the catch i think that's fair exactly so because yeah. of that though i still think the jets stylistically need that kind of X receiver, that bigger guy over the middle. I mean, they're hoping that it could be Lazard, and they paid Lazard thinking it could be him. But at this point, he's a total reclamation project. I can't expect anything more than, at best, wide receiver three production next year. And that's like the best case scenario. So I can't invest in Alan Lazard thinking he's going to be our starting X receiver. So Ridley, I don't know if necessarily if that's as good of a stylistic fit because I feel like he's just – Garrett, he's like 75% of Garrett Wilson right now. But again, when you're looking at the guys there at the round, they're Jason Brownlee, Xavier Gibson. I mean, just on pure talent alone, Ridley would be better than that. I think I look at both of these players in relation to the other top wide receiver on the market. That is T Higgins, or at least that could be on the market. Uh, Cause I'm, I, I, I'm not even going to count Michael Pittman in there. Cause I'm almost positive. He's staying in Indy. I don't think he's going anywhere. Certainly seems likely that Devontae Adams is not going anywhere. So it's really, we're talking Higgins, Evans, and Ridley are the guys that have even like a remote chance of becoming available this offseason. Evans, I think, is the least likely, like you said. It sounds like he wants to be back, but the Bucs have not engaged in extension talks yet. That's the last that I saw. I mean, maybe something else has been reported. I'm not incredibly up to date with, with Bucks news, but I think that's the last that I saw, which was very recent. Uh, so... Maybe, maybe they just let him walk. Maybe they're like, hey, you know, he's old and getting older. Uh, I do want to push back on any possible narrative out there that he's washed. It's the same shit people said about DeAndre Hopkins last offseason, and it was not true then, and it wasn't true now because what did Hopkins – he had a thousand yards this year, right, Hopkins? Like, he, I think he was only with playing with Tannehill. And with, I'm about to retire Ryan Tannehill and rookie Will Levis. Right, in an, in an awful passing offense. Like, And he still went over 1,000 yards. Hopkins wasn't washed, and Mike Evans is even less washed than Hopkins. Evans is still probably a borderline top 10 receiver in my mind. Uh, people will talk about drops when it comes to Evans and Ridley, ignoring the fact that – and I, I genuinely – I say this every year. 
Drops are one of the most overrated stats when it comes to receivers because every single year, the top leaders in drops are the guys that are like the best receivers in the league because they get targeted the most. So last year with Ridley specifically, though, was Ridley was like third on the Jags and targets, I believe. And I I remember specifically because I remember there was a whole cut up I was watching of like why Trevor Lawrence like at the end kind of I counted at least four or five plays that would have been touchdowns that he either dropped or got one foot down, not two. I'll, right I'll give you something right now. Calvin Ridley was tied for fifth in drops last year with seven. By the way, Puka Nakua by far led the league with 13 drops, by far. Uh, second was Tyree Kill. Third, also tied with set for second was Devontae Adams. Those are your drop leaders. Right behind them, Jackson Smith and Jigba, KJ Osborne and Cortland Sutton, all on significantly fewer snaps. Ridley had 132 targets, which was in a similar tier to the top three guys. Uh, and a lot more than the guys like Smith and Jigba, Osborne, Sutton, and even Zay Flowers, who are up there drops. By the way, Hunter Renfro, 37 targets, set six drops. That is abysmal. Uh, I'm just noticing that now. T. Higgins, 74 targets, six drops. Ridley, six drops on 130 or seven drops on 132 targets. I don't think that's an issue with him. Mike Evans only had five drops last year. I don't think drops are a significant issue for either of them. Um, so just throwing that out there because I've seen some people mention that and be like, oh, they're inconsistent, whatever. No, Alan Lazard is inconsistent because Alan Lazard was tied for 17th in drops and the dude barely fucking played, all right? That is an issue, okay? We're looking at drop rate. That's a bigger thing than it, it's like, than, yeah, as, as, uh, as uh, Brian said here, sure, but if you're going, that, I'll, I'll put it up on the, on the screen. If you're going to have drop rate over 10%, you better be putting up serious numbers. Well, what was Ridley's drop rate last year was, what was it? Uh, 8.4%. That's not crazy high. And he still had over a thousand yards. I think that's pretty good. I, I don't think he's a number one. Barely and didn't catch half his targets. And I'm not, look, I'm not saying, at the end of the year though, there's a lot of qualifiers on that. I'm not saying that Calvin Ridley's a number one wide receiver, but I think he's a high end number two. And that is a significant upgrade over anything the Jets have. And I We'll say it right. I, I, I'll probably say this multiple times over the next few weeks, months. I would much rather have either of these guys than T. Higgins. Just for given the circumstances, given how much it's going to cost to bring in T. Higgins, I don't want to pay anything close to that. I like T. Higgins as a player. I think he's a good player. I'm not sold on him being a number one. He's going to get paid top five money potentially because he's a 25-year-old receiver hitting the open market. He's going to get paid so much. And I don't want to throw out Kenny Galladay comparisons, but that would be my concern. My concern would be it's Higgins, a, I feel like it's almost a, I, I wrote about this on the Jeff Press too. I feel like even looking back on he's almost a lot to go to the Titans at this point because they hire his offensive coordinator. They got the second most cap space in the league. He's from Tennessee. He's born and went to high school there. So let them pay T. Higgins $25 million plus a year. Let them do that. I don't want the Jets doing that. They can upgrade at wide receiver two and not do that because genuinely, I don't think there's much of a difference between Calvin Ridley and T. Higgins. I don't know if that's a hot take. I mean, Mike Evans is better than both. I don't know if that – I don't right. I don't think that should be a hot take. T. Higgins did nothing last year. I know he was banged up. I know the Bengals had issues at quarterback, but he was worse. Like, he was worse this year than he had been the last couple of years. I think he ended up having, like, 600 yards in 12 games. That's nothing. Like, that's, that's not great. Uh, and I know some Bengals fans are kind of down on him as well. So, whatever he's going to get paid, let somebody else do it. Let another team do it. Um, if, T, if you're talking T Higgins, similar money to Calvin Ridley, absolutely go for it. He's younger. Sure. But it's, it's not going to be that case. So I would much rather have Ridley. Evans would be my preference if he's available. Like you said, Mike, I don't know if he's be available, but I would be very happy with Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley, because 
I don't know. I don't know what he's actually the cause because he is 29 and he did miss all of the 2022 season, not because of injury, but because of the suspension. So I, it's really hard to gauge what his value might be, uh, but it's going to be a lot more affordable and reasonable than T Higgins. So give me Calvin Ridley. If Mike, if Mike Evans available, give me him. I'll pass on Higgins. I guess the other thing too, you got to, re- I mean, Ridley, if he stays in Jacksonville, like there's still a pretty good team, no state tax. He's from Florida, I believe. Sure. Uh, maybe he's, well, he went to Alabama. He's from that area. I believe he's from Florida. I got it. Yep, he's from uh, Fort Lauderdale. Hey, hell yeah. So because of that, like, there's a lot of reasons for him to stay in Jacksonville. I think the Jaguars don't want to, in a year where the offense regressed at the end, get rid of one of their best guys. Like, it's going to be a bidding war for both these guys. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Jets right now, as they're currently constructed, I don't know if they just have the resources fiscally to compete for guys like this. Now, again, awesome. maybe you don't pay Alan Lazard that contract in, in hindsight, and then maybe you could, but here we are. Yeah, I, I think whatever the Jets do at wide receiver this offseason, I don't want Alan Lazard as anything more than wide receiver four. I will be un, I will not be pleased. I will be dissatisfied if Alan Lazard is wide receiver three next year. Uh, or wide receiver two, obviously. I don't think that's going to be the case. But, uh, yeah, I would not be happy. I would not be pleased if Alan Lazard is anything other than wide receiver four. I'm not positive that's going to be the case. Again, I think I said this on Twitter. I forget if I've said this on the show. My personal worst-case scenario, my nightmare scenario, is that the Jets just sign Odell Beckham, and that's their move, and they're like, cool, that's our new wide receiver two, and now I have to listen to Jets fans tell me why Odell Beckham's actually better than Mike Evans and actually better than Calvin Ridley, and I'll be in hell, and I will be in hell. The tough part about that is Odell, even as limited as he is, would be so much better than everything else they had. Like, because things were so dire – so many receivers are an immediate wide receiver two or three upgrade that you can't really hate on it too much, right? I can. I can hate on it because there's so many better moves they could make. Like, that's just – they should not – not to mention the injury concerns with Odell Beckham. Like, I, you think Odell Beckham's playing a full season, playing on that MetLife oh, turf? Sure not. Like, playing on that MetLife turf, playing half his games at MetLife? You think he's playing a full season again? Absolutely not. No shot. That man's got one knee, a half a knee left. Like, it's – no and way. He's going to be 32 next year. Right. I, I have want no I want nothing to do with Odell Beckham. I, just as a player, like in, in his, his injury concerns, I, I want nothing to do with Odell Beckham. If you're going to go that route, if you're going to go the mid route, give me Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, I said this on Twitter, that is my dream mid-level free agent target. If the Jets can't land one of the top guys, give me Kendrick Bourne. Draft an ACL? I don't care. I know it's coming up. The, I know he's coming off the ACL. I think he tore it in like October or something. He should, you'd assume, be ready for week one. I mean, if Brees Hall came up torn ACL and look at him, I know, I know it's Brees Hall and I know it's Kendrick Bourne, but still, Kendrick Bourne has the experience with Robert Sala. Uh, he is, in my opinion, just the most average to above average wide receiver in football. I think he's average to above average at every single thing. He is a super reliable route runner, super reliable hands, a very good blocker. He's just solid all around. And I don't need boomer bust guys in the Jets. I want reliable goddamn receivers. Kendrick Bourne significantly raises the floor of the Jets wide receiver room that was abysmal last year. So I not that I'm gonna like pound the table and stand for Kendrick Bourne, but he is one of my guys that if they were to sign him, I, I wanted them to sign him when he was last available a couple of years ago. And I wanted them, I think I mentioned him as a trade target at the deadline before he tore his ACL. I know he was on the Patriots, but he's been one of my guys for a while. So I, if you're gonna go the mid route, give me Kendrick Bourne. Give, give me Tyler Boyd, I'd take him over Odell Beckham any day of the week. Which is why Bourne has never had more than 800 yards receiving in a season. In That's, his fine. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. 
that's fine because guess what? You're going to get him for less than what you paid Alan Lazard, and Alan Lazard also has never had 800 yards in a season. So it's the value. I'm not saying Kendrick Bourne is Garrett Wilson. He's a I, Kendrick Bourne is a damn good wide receiver three. That's what he is, and I'm cool with that. Cool. I, I, I think I think honestly it would go ideally. I think you sign two and draft your three in the draft. Yeah. I mean that's how it's going to go. But. I, I agree. I'm just saying if they miss on the Ridley's, the Evan, because there's a realist like a there's a very real chance. Like because I know we're sitting here talking. Oh, who do we want? Mike Evans or Calvin Ridley? There's a very real chance the Jets get none of those guys because of the things you mentioned. Cap space because other teams are going to have more money to pay, and I think teams are going to pay these guys a lot of money, specifically guys like Higgins. And if Evans were to hit the open market. Uh, so uh, Brian, really quick with a really good idea though in chat, he said, I'm watching to see if Seattle cuts Tyler Lockett. Interesting. What now is his, that would be what's his current, uh, because you have the replacement in Jackson Smith and Jake, but Metcalf's still there. Mm-hmm. You have enough picks where you could probably get another guy. I, I would not hate that. I would, re- I actually might like Lockett better than, than Ridley. I don't hate that take. I, Lockett's a very good player. The only issue is Lockett's a little older. He's like three years older than Ridley, so you have to wonder if the he's like the, 102 pounds, so you got to worry yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean he's definitely he's your slot guy. If you sign Tyler Lockett, I'm pretty sure he's primarily a slot guy. Um, you save they they would save so he's under contract for another two years, so they don't need to move on from him. I I don't know what their cap situation is like right now. Okay, they're they are currently over the cap, so they would need they're going to need to make some moves. Uh, just looking at it, it seems like they're going to do something with Jamal Adams' contract, whether it's a restructure or a straight-up cut. Uh, Quandre Diggs, he was awful this year. They probably move on from him. Will Disley seems like an obvious option. I don't think they need to move on from Lockett, but that is a really good shout because they could. They absolutely could. And if he's available – Especially if after Pete Carroll they want to maybe rebuild. For sure. Another, I'll throw out another name that I think could be a cap casualty because the team is in cap hell. Mike Williams. What are your thoughts on Mike Williams? Obviously, there's the injury concerns of Mike Williams, but he is the type, the archetype of receiver that the Jets need, and he's really good when he's healthy. What is? What are your thoughts on him? Uh, again, the injuries worry me. Uh-huh. Uh, I do like him as an X receiver. I would like Evans more. Uh, yeah. the, the big thing I like about Williams, though, is even with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who we all acknowledge is really good, like, there was a difference with him and without him, and you could see it. And that, to me, screams impact, and that, to me, screams playmaker. Now, I know that Quentin Johnston, being as bad as he was as a rookie, contributed to that, but Mike Williams is a really good, really solid receiver. I just think with the A, even with the injuries, I just think because he's younger, he might cost a little bit more. So I don't I, that's a tough one to really gauge. I think he's 29. I think he's the same age as Ridley. Mike so Williams of the Chargers is 29. Uh-oh. We got some Jets news. Not not good. Actually, this is a perfect segue, Mike. Perfect segue because oh, Joe no, Cena. Not like terrible news, but Josina Anderson is reporting that Deuce Staley is expected to sign or to join the Cleveland Browns. Sorry. Oh no. Uh, so that relates to what our last topic was going to be. But first, before we get to that last topic, uh, ruining the segue, but we got to do an ad read. So <laughs> ruining this amazing perfect segue, but really quick. 
DraftKings. Hey, Jets fans, DraftKings is offering a fantastic sign-up bonus ahead of the postseason. You can place a $5 first bet on anything to instantly claim $150 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is that you will receive both rewards even if your first bet loses. When you join DraftKings, make sure to sign up with our code FSBets. That should be on the screen for those watching on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. Uh, using our code FSBets, that's F-S-B-E-T-S, not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code FSBets to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in illegal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Mike, let's talk coaching changes. Let's talk about the Jets and the coaching changes, because it sounds like uh, Deuce Staley is going to the Cleveland Browns. That is somebody that they were considering bringing in uh, because they seemingly, I, they haven't made it official yet, but they are expected to part ways with running backs coach Taylor Embry. That, that surprised me a little bit because for all the areas where this team struggled, wide receiver play, quarterback play, offensive lot, you don't get rid of Keith Carter, but you get rid of Taylor Embry. Yep. That was my take too. My, I, I look, and, I, and it I, wasn't, this was a firing. This wasn't like he's looking to, move up somewhere yeah. or like join a Shanahan McVay guy as an OC or something like that. I think, his like contracts, that. I think his contract might be up. So it's like a parting ways, but like they fired him. Uh, they're, they're not retaining him, which is the same thing as firing him. So yeah, I was surprised as well. I mean, look from the outside looking in, it certainly is a weird move because you're like, well, this doesn't really seem like a merit-based decision because obviously Brees Hall was one of the best running backs in football this year. I think you could make a very strong case that he was the second best running back behind Christian McCaffrey. He was fourth in scrimmage yards. Now, sure, Dalvin Cook sucked. He sucked last year too. Not surprised he sucked. He didn't really get much from Israel Vanacanda. Michael Carter's regressed. You can make that argument. I get that. From the outside looking in though, it's certainly a weird move to fire the running backs coach when your offensive line play was abysmal players are openly bashing your offensive line coach. Your wide receiver play stunk. I mean, everybody, other than Garrett Wilson, everybody, maybe besides like Xavier Gibson, fell short of expectations. Uh, it's and what were Xavier Gibson's expectations anyway? Well, right? Yeah, so like he was he was a wide receiver five when he was expected to not make the team. So I guess that's better. But like him <laughs> meeting it is not some like great, like, it's oh, correct. like developmental win for your coaching staff. Correct. No, it's not like Gibson was a star this year. So it's definitely a weird move. Look, if they fired, if they moved on from him and brought in Deuce Staley, big thumbs up because Deuce Staley is a genuinely like good coach. Like I like Deuce Staley. Oh, He's got yeah. a strong track record. He was in Philly for a while, did some good stuff there. Unfortunately, he got scapegoated in Carolina. Uh, as when they fired Frank Reich, they just fired, they fired Josh McCown too. Uh, so it sucked that that didn't work out for him, but. I think he's going to do a really good job in Cleveland. They got two good backs. Obviously, Nick Chubb, whenever he comes back from injury. Jerome Ford, I like. I think he's a solid player, also on my fantasy team. Uh, so I, I I think he's a good coach. I think that's a good hire for them. Now it sounds like, uh, you know, the Jets, they're still looking for another running back coach. I think the other guy was, what was his name? A Taylor Dews? No, Tyler Dews, I think his name was. I actually don't. I wasn't familiar with him beforehand. Uh uh, Tony Deuce, Tony Deuce's name. That's right. Titans guy. Uh, Titans guy. So again, what the Titan, what is it about the, uh, I was not familiar with Tony Deuce before, but if Tony Mike Vrabel did anything wrong in Tennessee. It was, he didn't trust the right people on offense and now yeah. we're hiring all of them, bringing them all in. The only other name that we know besides Deuce Staley that has been connected to the Jets running backs coach job is Tony Deuce, because I believe Rich Samini, uh, said that the Jets are set to interview him or, or already have interviewed him. Uh, Tony Dews was the running backs coach in, in Tennessee from 2018 to 2022. Last year became their tight end coach. 
and now they're likely to bring at, him at in. At least that guy can. All right, at least that guy can say I worked with Derrick Henry when he had a two thousand yard season. Correct. That's, and a, that's at least a strong point on a resume. I'll give him that. My guy and my guy Chigakonkwo last year. Let's go Chigakonkwo. Uh, shout out Chigakonkwo. He helped yeah. me win my fantasy league. But uh, yeah, I have my that, conspiracy theory on this. What's your? I think this means Robert Sala is safe for a really long time. Because here's my theory. Okay, here's my theory. Staley has been an assistant head coach and running backs coach combo since 2018. Right. That likely would have been his role with the Jets. With the Eagles under Doug Peterson, then with the Lions under Dan Campbell, and now Carolina with Frank Reich, who he since got let go. Even though they made the playoffs this year, I think because of the Watson contract and because the roster is honestly getting very old, I think, in Cleveland, yeah, I feel like Stefanski is not really assured anything because this is also like year what four or five is the fan i like yeah i know that he's had some success but genuinely i feel like some browns fans and a lot of like browns right were like i'm not sure that stefanski is really going to be like the guy maybe he's saying you know what robert Sala and aaron Rodgers, like they're going to be better next year and i think that there's a like and if they're better next year they're probably going to be back for 2025 if they make the playoffs which i think they will I think he's saying, you know what, in Cleveland, maybe I have a shot of succeeding Stefanski here because Joe Burrow is going to be healthy. Lamar Jackson, I think the Steelers are going to be good again. Tough division. Watson being what he is. Like the Browns got in- incredibly, unfathomably lucky near the end of last year with the whole Flacco thing and everything. I think Staley maybe is looking at trying to get a head coaching job finally. And I think he thinks Cleveland either, either, Stefanski's on a hotter seat and he could slide in there and like an Antonio Pierce kind of way or working with Nick Chubb might be more attractive than working with Brees Hall. And that might make him a more desirable candidate. I think it's, or they just paid him the most money. One of those two. Well, I think that partially, (laughs) I, I think it's the exact opposite. Honestly, I think he sees the Browns as a much more stable landing spot for him. I think anybody who is joining the Jets staff this offseason realizes that they are all on the hot seat. And that if the Jets don't not only make the playoffs, but make some noise probably in the playoffs, everybody might be fired. And so I don't think anybody – like a Deuce, Deuce Daly just went to the Panthers, and he lasted less than a year there. I don't think he wants to go to another team where he has a chance to spend a year there, and then and there's no security beyond one year. I don't think Stefanski's going anywhere. I think Stefanski was a lot more on the hot seat, so to say, or so to speak, going into the year than he is now. I think he's probably going to win coach of the year. I'm pretty sure he's the favorite for coach. Ryan's. Ryan's. I don't know. I think Stefanski's got a really good shot to win coach of the year. I, I don't think, yes, and as Brian said in chat here, Stefanski's been the Browns coach for four seasons and might be about to win his second coach of the year. I think betting odds are saying that Stefanski is the favorite. I might be wrong in that, but I'm, that's the last I saw, I think. Um, so I think it's a really good shot. He wins coach of the year. I don't think he's going anywhere unless they entirely bottom out next year, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, I think just, the See, I think it happen. might happen just cause that division's so strong and Watson has been playing like he's been playing. The defense is still good though. And it's not going to get, it shouldn't get worse next year. Like there's no reason the defense should be worse next year. They're going to get shoved back. They were obliterated by injuries and in offense, not just Watson. The O-line was beat up. Obviously they lost Chubb. They had so many injuries. I don't think the Browns are going to bottom out next year. I'm higher on Stefanski now than I was going into the year. I think going into the year, he was very much on the hot seat, but I think he's solidified his case. Uh, so I think Deuce Daly going to Cleveland is more like, hey, there's more job security here. I don't want to go to another job where he, like he went to Carolina last year where he spends one year and that's it. Because I don't think when he hired, when he joined. Frank I also Lee, think he wants to be a head coach too. So 
Sure, but I think job security comes first. I, I think that is the most because that what a, it's a really bad look on a resume to go to two consecutive jobs where you're fired in a year. That's a really bad look, and neither case would necessarily be his fault. But it wouldn't be good to put on the resume. And I'm sure when he when he joined the Panthers, he wasn't expecting to be let go in in six months or in, in you know half a year, like half the season. Uh, I don't think anybody expected Frank Reich to be fired halfway through his first season with the team. I think a lot of people were very high on the Frank Reich hire and thought that he might do a good job there. Definitely wouldn't get fired in his first year. No one expected my, that. My hot take is they should have just done the Antonio Pierce thing and made him the head coach when they fired Right, made, made Staley the head coach? Yeah. Sure. They could have. I, I, mean, I don't know why. Like when they fired Doug Pierce, I remember multiple Eagles were openly pissed yeah. that they didn't hire him. Deuce Staley is well-respected around the league. So I, I think going to Cleveland is a really good spot for him. Uh, one, like, I mean, like you said, to work with Nick Chubb, assuming that Chubb comes back and he is still the same player because I don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. I know it was a really bad injury. But assuming he comes back and is at full strength, that's a really good opportunity to work with him. Uh, and it's just a better – like it's ultimately, it's a better offensive staff, and it's a better situation. It's a better opportunity. It's going to be really hard to get good offensive coaches to come to this Jets offensive – this, this Jets staff. Good coaches in any – position because it's just there's no job security after this one year there's zero job security the jets are on the hot seat more like sala is on the hot seat more than almost any other coach in the league maybe besides like mike mccarthy going into next year like he is i don't want to say a lame duck coach but it's like it's shit shit or get off the pot like that's that's what it is it's like you, you have to win this year you have to there's no leeway and it's a really tough spot for a coach to go into and now we got one last news item before that Okay. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Jets' kinetic aesthetic oh, yeah. that they got going here because there is a rumor circulating around that those throwbacks with the old-school Jets script on there are going to be made permanent going into next year, which I I am thrilled about because I remember for years and years I was saying that I didn't like the old like the old Jets uniforms. I just thought they were so basic. You know, white yeah. helmet, number one, white helmet, big red flag for me. Find a good uniform with a white helmet. I mean, intimidating looking team with a white helmet. Hold on, I feel like a, the the Bengals all whites. Those are good. I don't see. I don't like, I those. like those. I like white helmets. I think they look clean. But I'm also I, not. I think they make again like the tit- the Titans now look a lot better because the old one you said the white helmet now it's navy. I just that's a big the old Cardinals uniforms with the white and like that. Like it, I, I've like never the, been a fan. What the classic the classic Cowboys white helmet? That's like silvery. Oh, you know I mean the throwback stuff. Maybe I don't know. Oh, like the old like Don Meredith stuff. I, I mean, up, I looked up white NFL helmets and I'm trying to find ones that look good. The Bills is not bad. The Bills might be the best, but again, that's all right. And that's one outlier. I'm not sure that that's uniform. But anyway, yeah, they moved off that. And even then, the jersey was just plain block letters, plain like military green colors. I didn't like it. And they got the new one. And the first couple of years, I actually really liked it. I liked the kind of metallicy helmet. I liked the kind of like bold. I honestly like New York on the front because a lot of teams weren't doing that then. It was kind of bold and different. I kind of like that. Then as it went on, I'm like, this looks kind of like arena leaguey, like with the the stripes, like the wings on the thing. It, the other thing too is I hated the numbers on the new Jets jerseys. Like, because our full disclosure, yeah. I was getting I was getting a Jet Press guest analyst Dominic uh, a shirt, like a Jet shirt, his first one for, for Christmas. The only kid sizes they had were they had Aaron Rodgers, they had Garrett Wilson, they had Sauce Gardner. Those were the three. And uh, I didn't get him Sauce because the number one just looks like a straight line. And I, I just didn't think it looked good on a jersey. So I got him Garrett Wilson, and then they, he changed his number and screwed me there. 
but <laughs> no man he said it last year they was changing his number that's on you that's on me but anyway uh anyway I, I when they brought that throwback back i'm like this is a real uniform like it looks cool it's throwbacky but not just like a straight the old one it's got like kind of a new flavor on it i'm like they should make this the permanent uniform i'm glad they listened to me see I, I want to do one of these one time where we – like I want to do like a video where we rank all the Jets jerseys all time or logos and stuff like that. And I say that, and I I, I say that while also saying that I don't care about jerseys. <laughs> like it, I think it would be fun to do that. But really, like I people get really worked up about this stuff. and people well, are you got to see it every game. They do. No, I'm not – I have no issue with people caring about it. Like care about whatever you want. Like I got no issue with it. Me personally – I don't give a shit. Like I really don't care. I every time a New Jersey league like drops from a new from an NFL team or any team really, I'm like, all right, it's fine. Like I have no strong. This it's really rare that I have a strong opinion about a jersey. Honestly, the NBA city jerseys this year, I had like the strongest opinions on because I was like, so many of these are hot drafts. Like they are like, there's I can't even look at them. Like they're so. Are, 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 is there any NFL jerseys where you're like this? Is, like for me, it's those awful. Bucks creamsicles that people try to do. Oh, I don't mind. They look good. Oh, they're, they're disgusting. They're fun. They're they're. Oh, thrilled. I they're, hate them. And people are nostalgic. People made fun of them for years with that. They used to call them the good humor bars because it was bright yeah. orange, and then like the the sassy winking, like "Hey there, sailor buccaneer" on the side. Dude, like, don't wink again. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to act like a buccaneer here see you don't even like it and they had it on a uniform I, for 20 years. like you winking that made me uncomfortable <laughs> uh, i think they've hit the point where they're just so bad they're good like that's that's where those those have hit All like right. is there anywhere so like you you're like okay this is they need know. to change it as soon as possible there's not Didn't one really hate the new falcons jerseys wasn't that a thing Oh, the gradient. Oh, yeah, those look. They strange. got rid of that though. They got rid of the gradient. The, the red to black gradient. The, those look bad. I didn't like that. Like that just looks stupid. I remember when the Rams came out with the new ones originally, and they had it was like a white, but it like I think they called it bone, and it looked like an old washed. Yeah. Oh, the weird. It was the weird white color. It was like an. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Even, I didn't even hate that. I think the Rams jerseys look nice. Actually, now that I'm looking at them, they look really nice. The the bone okay, color okay. ones? They're weird yellow alternates. What the hell is that? Is that is this real? That's not real. That's right. not real. That's not real. Okay, it's Photoshop. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, uh, I remember the <laughs> terrible one. Do you remember Color Rush? Yeah, I love Color Rush. I dude, every time I was playing Madden during the Color Rush days, when that was when I still got when I would still buy Madden every year because I was a loser. Uh <laughs> Madden sucks now. But I would every single time, every time playing the game, always switch to Color Rush. I had to switch to Color Rush because those jerseys were sick. I remember the one, it was Jacksonville with the gradient helmet and that like mustardy gold yellow. Oh, hold on. I think that I know. That one was bad. Like the Denard Robinson, Blake Bortles days. I think I know. Oh, see, maybe it's the nostalgia for me, but part of me is like, kind of like it. It does look like mustard though. Like it's straight up. It straight up looks like you poured mustard on a jersey. That, that and then the Broncos AFL throwbacks are the other worst ones. Broncos AFL throw. before they went orange and blue. It would be great to have visual aids doing this guy. Just look it up, Google, unless you know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this just that's not even were those their colors at the time? They had it for like two years and then they went to the orange and blue. Yeah, those are bad. I don't like those. Wait, what are your thoughts? I want to know your thoughts on the Jets Titans throwbacks because people either love I those. I used to have a Thomas Jones throwback jersey of the New York Titans. It, it and actually, I remember. I got to 
when I was like 12 or 13, I got to go into ESPN studios and I actually met Stephen A and, and Skip Bayless back before first take was even a thing. It was a segment called cold pizza on first and 10. Do you remember that? I got yeah. to meet them there. Wow. And I was in my New York Titans, Thomas Jones Jersey. So I, I forever <laughs> loved that Jersey. Little Mike. It's weird. I was like when Brett Favre unretired and went to the Jets. That was that year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that, weird yeah. how like their throwback jerseys, but now in my mind, I because I obviously was not alive. <laughs> Breaking news: I wasn't alive in 1969, or no, not even, before. I wasn't alive in the early 60s when they were the. What Titans. a fraud! <laughs> well, I know, shocker, right? Fake fan. Uh, but I'm like nostalgic for those jerseys now, even though like I wasn't around when they were originally around. But I'm around. I was around when they wore them back in the you know 2008 to 2009 10 range whatever that whenever they were wearing those so i'm like nostalgic for those now so i feel like i, I remember like brett i remember i saw brett Favre in him i think they played the cardinals and i think he threw six touchdowns in that game well that was that was that was his famous six touchdown game okay i was I at that game so wow there you go i i i, I love those who titans the, against the cardinals? who was that against the cardinals i think it was against the cardinals yeah i think it was against the cardinals look at that look at that I think Kerry Rhodes hit Anquan Bolden so hard he had to get like screws in his neck or something like that in that game. That's or, that's, or was the other way around. Kerry Rhodes had to get the screw. One of the that's two. real football. That's that's real. That's, that's real. That's real grown men football. When men were men. That's <laughs> that's real football. Uh, but yeah, I look. I don't really care. I guess about the New Jerseys. Ultimately, like in my mind, if people are happy, then I'm happy. If people are happy with these jerseys, then cool. I do think they look really nice. Like the white legacy jerseys, they look really nice. We should also clarify it's not confirmed yet. The Jets have not confirmed this, but I know Jake Asman reported it and a couple of others were like, yeah, it seems like it's going to happen. People found that I think this is true still, but you can find that if you go to the Jets team shop, all like the non legacy jerseys are all on sale. People just connecting the dots, putting two and two, putting two and two together. It certainly seems like the legacy jerseys will become permanent in 2024. If people are happy, then I'm happy. I do think they look nice. I got no issues really with the current Jets jerseys. If they do make the legacy jerseys permanent, maybe I got to get a new jersey for 2024 though. Because right now, my because I always have to have an obscure Jets jersey, and my current one is Jeremy Ruckert, who admittedly isn't like super obscure compared to like the Will Parkses and the Tanner Purdoms that I've had. Uh, so maybe I'll get a new one and then I got to find a new obscure jet. I haven't I bought a Jets jersey since uh, Brandon Marshall. Smart man. Well, I don't, I can't get any like. And looking I, back, I regret that because Brandon Marshall's done some objectionable things in his life that I, you yeah. Know, so. <laughs> I, I can't like in good faith, in good conscience, get a jersey that is like of a good player. I just can't do it. The last one I got was I just can't get one because they leave. Everyone I get leaves. That's like I in, in Sauce Gardner is very quickly if he's not already my favorite Jets player of all time, right? Like he plays all my time. favorite. Wow, he plays my favorite position in football, and he is the best player at that position, off to the best start that any player at that position has probably ever had. I, in a normal world, would get his jersey, but I can't do it. I can't in good conscience do it. I'll get it when he retires, but I cannot do it now. I cannot do it during his playing career because I I can't do that to this team. I I cannot do that. Um, so maybe I'll get like. I'm tempted to get like a Zach Koontz jersey. I think that'd be a funny, a funny jersey to have. Is it just because of the name? Kind of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is, we're trying to have an elevated show, and you get this lowbrow humor here. Bring back the Woodies, anyway. Um, <laughs> that's gonna make that's gonna be fun out of context. Uh, <laughs> People who have not been watching the show are not gonna know that. Just gonna is, clip but. that and put it online. And- Bring back the Woodies. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I put a poll on Twitter last year about which jersey I should, should get. And I think Koontz was one of them. Also one of them was Jarek Bernard Converse. Cause I think it'd be hilarious to get all like, get, that, that would be getting- Friend of the show. Right? 
per the letter, yeah, friend of the show, Jark. I had that. I, weird that I had Jark Bernard Commerce on before the Jets drafted him. That's cool. I'll be doing some more of those Jets, those draft interviews this year too. So maybe, maybe the Jets will draft one of those guys like they did last year. But I think that'd be getting the ultimate money's worth per letter because it'd just be like so many letters. It'd be like a Jared Salta Lamakia jersey, you know? I'll beat you to the, the, I mean, he's not even that obscure, but that obscure baseball. Rod Stevens Howling used to play for Yes. The Rod Stevens Howling, Cardinals legend. And with that, now that we're on the, the Rod <laughs> Stevens Howling portion of the evening, I think it's time to call call this show wraps. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday. Talk really getting into some draft stuff because the Senior Bowl will be going down soon. Jets have a number ten pick. Like it's prime draft time. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for tuning in. As always, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Apple Podcasts. Well, I think Google Podcasts is going away pretty soon. So if you're on Google Podcasts, if you're on there, make sure mic right over. Overcast is going to outlive Google Podcast. Who knew? Yes, Google, like, it's what they do. Buy things, for, force the company to do something they're not familiar with, shut it down after a year, and blame them, and then make more money. It's how they run their business. It sounds, anyway. like, it sounds like Tony Dews, by the way, might be going to the Jets. They interviewed him. Diana Rossini's tweeting about him. They interviewed him. They didn't offer him a job, but it sounds like that's the Titans guy we're talking about. Running back. At least you work with Derrick Henry. Keith Carter worked yeah. with Dennis Kelly. So well, he worked with Taylor Lewan and stuff, but also Taylor Lewan hates him. So what's that good for? That's the thing. You work with Taylor Lewan, Ben <laughs> But so I don't think means nothing. But uh, as always, at Google, Apple, all that stuff, downloads there. A like on the stream really does help. Subscribe on YouTube. Those are all big ways to support the show. I'll give Justin the floor to send us home. I'm just happy we were able to get a full show in because we had to rush last week. We ended up having a, having less time than we thought. We started late, had some some. It was the I was gonna say technical issues, but it wasn't even that. Pascal Siakam was just traded, uh, but I'm glad we were able to get a full show in today. Twas fun. We'll be back next week, like Mike said, doing some draft stuff, maybe Senior Bowl, maybe some predictions. Uh, right. We'll see how it goes. But anyway, until then, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press podcast. I have been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. See you folks next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.